Part One of Gettysburg National Military Park, Pennsylvania. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Wales. Gettysburg National Military Park, Pennsylvania, by Frederick Tilburg. Part One. Introduction. On the gently rolling farmlands surrounding the little town of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, was fought one of the great decisive battles of American history. For three days, from July 1 to 3, 1863, a gigantic struggle between 75,000 Confederates and 88,000 Union troops raged about the town and left 51,000 casualties in its wake heroic deeds were numerous on both sides climaxed by the famed confederate assault on july third which has become known throughout the world as pickett's charge the union victory gained on these fields ended the last confederate invasion of the north and marked the beginning of a gradual decline in southern military power here also a few months after the battle abraham lincoln delivered his classic gettysburg address at the dedication of the national cemetery set apart as a burial ground for the soldiers who died in the conflict the situation spring eighteen sixty three the situation in which the confederacy found itself in the late spring of eighteen sixty three called for decisive action the Union and Confederate armies had faced each other on the Rappahannock River near Fredericksburg, Virginia, for six months. The Confederate Army of Northern Virginia, commanded by General R. E. Lee, had defeated the Union forces at Fredericksburg in December 1862, and again at Chancellorsville in May 1863 but the nature of the ground gave Lee little opportunity to follow up his advantage when he began moving his army westward on june three he hoped at least to draw his opponent away from the river to a more advantageous battleground at most he might carry the war into northern territory where supplies could be taken from the enemy and a victory could be fully exploited even a fairly narrow margin of victory might enable lee to capture one or more key cities and perhaps increase northern demands for a negotiated peace confederate strategists had considered sending aid from lee's army to vicksburg which grant was then besieging or dispatching help to general bragg for his campaign against rosecrans in tennessee they concluded however that vicksburg could hold out until climatic conditions would force grant to withdraw and they reasoned that the eastern campaign was more important than that of tennessee both union and confederate governments had bitter opponents at home southern generals reading in northern newspapers the clamors for peace had reason to believe that their foe's morale was fast weakening they felt that the Army of Northern Virginia would continue to demonstrate its superiority over the Union Army of the Potomac, and that the relief from constant campaigning on their own soil would have a happy effect on Southern spirit. Events were to prove, however, that the chief result of the intense alarm created by the invasion was to rally the populace to better support of the Union government. The Plan of Campaign 
lee's plan of campaign was undoubtedly similar to that of his invasion which ended in the battle of antietam in september eighteen sixty two he then called attention to the need of destroying the bridge over the susquehanna river at harrisburg and of disabling the pennsylvania railroad in order to sever communication with the west after that he added i can turn my attention to philadelphia baltimore or washington as may seem best for our interest lee had suffered an irreparable loss at chancellorsville when stonewall jackson was mortally wounded now reorganized into three infantry corps under longstreet a p hill and r s ewell and a cavalry division under j e b stuart a changed army of northern virginia faced the great test that lay ahead stonewall jackson the right hand of lee and in the words of the latter the finest executive officer the sun ever shone on was no longer present to lead his corps in battle the long lines of gray started moving on june three from fredericksburg virginia first northwestward across the blue ridge and then northward in the shenandoah valley on june nine one of the greatest cavalry engagements of the war occurred at brandy station union horsemen for the first time held stuart's men on even terms the confederates then continued their march northward with the right flank constantly protected by stuart's cavalry which occupied the passes of the blue ridge stuart was ordered to hold these mountain gaps until the advance into pennsylvania had drawn the union army north of the potomac on june twenty eighth hill and longstreet reached chambersburg sixteen miles north of the pennsylvania boundary rhodes division of ewell's corps reached carlisle on june twenty seven early's command of eight thousand men had passed through gettysburg on june twenty sixth and on the twenty eighth had reached york early planned to take possession of the bridge over the susquehanna at columbia and to move on harrisburg from the east lee's converging movement on harrisburg seemed to be on the eve of success an unforeseen shift of events between june twenty five and twenty eight however threatened to deprive lee of every advantage he had thus far gained in his daring march up the shenandoah and cumberland valleys the cavalry engagement between stuart and pleasanton at brandy station convinced general joseph hooker then in command of the union army that the confederate army was moving northward president lincoln and general-in-chief halleck informed of this movement ordered hooker to proceed northward and to keep his command between the confederate army and washington when he was refused permission to abandon harper's ferry and to add the garrison of ten thousand men to his army hooker asked to be relieved of command general george g meade received orders to assume command of the army at frederick maryland on june twenty eighth and he at once continued the march northward general stuart in command of the confederate cavalry had obtained conditional approval from lee to operate against the rear of the union army as it marched northward and then to join lee north of the potomac as he passed between hooker's army and washington the unexpected speed of the union army forced stuart into detours and delays so that on june twenty eighth he was in eastern maryland wholly out of touch with the confederate force 
the eyes and ears of lee were thus closed at a time when their efficient functioning was badly needed in this state of affairs a confederate agent reported to lee at chambersburg pennsylvania on the night of june twenty eighth that the union forces had crossed the potomac and were in the vicinity of frederick with the entire union army close at hand and with many miles between him and his base lee decided to abandon his original plan and to concentrate for battle he moved his army at once across the mountains to cashtown eight miles from gettysburg here in cashtown pass he planned to establish his battle position roads then at carlisle and early at york were at once ordered to this point end of part one